job for a cowboy are back with their first album in a decade titled Moon Healer. Moon Healer is musically multifaceted, unabashedly brutal, and compellingly conceptual. Featuring a newly refreshed and re-inspired lineup of frontman and co-founder Johnny Davey, guitarist Tony Sanacanaro, and Al Glassman, bassist Nick Shindazilios, and drummer Naveen Koperweiss. The band seamlessly picks up the mantle where Sun Eater left off. Moon Healer is available everywhere, February 23rd, 2024. Listen and watch the trippy new videos at MeadowBlade.com slash job for a cowboy. Also, two members of the pioneering progressive metal act Fate's Warning, Ray Alder and Jim Mathos, continue to brave new waters with their new band, North Sea Echoes. The duo's debut album, Real Good, Terrible Things, is due out February 23rd, 2024. The album serves up what can be described as seductive melancholy and rich sonic landscapings. Layered and dreamlike, Fans of Fate's Warning, plus modern pioneers such as Leprous or Devin Townsend would be well served checking out what Jim Mathos and Ray Alder are serving up with North Sea Echoes. Listen and watch videos now at MetalBlade.com slash North Sea Echoes. Once again, Job for a Cowboy's new album, Moon Healer. Make sure you go to MetalBlade.com slash Job for a Cowboy and Ray Alder and Jim Mathos. North Sea Echoes, go to metablade.com slash North Sea Echoes. It's the Metal Sucks Podcast with your hosts, Petter Speich, Brandon Hahn, and Jocelyn Sharp. Metal Sucks Podcast, what is going on, everybody out there? It's me, your host, Petter Speich. This week, who's on the show, baby? The captain, Brandon Gooch-Han. You can follow me on Instagram at your buddy Gooch. Captain, I like that. And make sure yeah, to follow. Yeah, just, our, yeah. Go ahead, go ahead, Captain. I'm just saying. I, I, I'm just starting. I just thought. You know what? I'm calling myself the captain. I'm sticking with it. Let me try it out on this episode. We'll see how the pants fit. Yeah, and don't steer this ship the wrong way, you son of a bitch. Ah, Let's keep it in, in right in, on board. In, Hi, jumping on board. Keep it in good waters. Let's keep it afloat in. So no, nobody gets seasick. Uh, also, our other co-host. Make sure to follow the two co-hosts. That is Jocelyn Sharp at J-O-Z-A-L-Y-N Sharp on all social media. She's at the Wizard of Jaws on TikTok and the wonderful Sylvia Alvarado. She's at It's the Sylvia. Um, if you guys I like f- the cut of their jibs. Yeah, their jibs are good. It's another, sail- it's another sailor reference. Ooh, we can keep doing this. We can keep no. doing this. Okay, we'll stop. <laughs> And of course, guys, make sure to follow at Metal Sucks on everything across the social media world so you get the stories first. You get this podcast dropped in your little box, whatever. Make sure you guys are doing that. This week on the show, so excited to finally get to talk to Oyster and Brune from Borknogger. Uh, their new album, Fall, is out now. If you guys haven't heard it, it just came out this past Friday. It is excellent, man. It is excellent. So happy I get to promote it, guys. That interview is a blast. Hang in there about the 30-minute mark if you want to jump to it. That's what we're going to start talking. But before that, me and Captain Han over here, we're going to talk a yeah. little bit, a little bit about the news stories over at Metal Sucks. <laughs> over at MetalSucks.net. Okay. This is a tough one for me. Because 
you know, there's certain bands you just don't really talk negatively about uh, in our world that has been so influential and so it's kind of like this this band is a must. Well, I don't know if that's true. Now that I think about it, I think I guess we talk shit about every band <laughs> in the metal world. It happens. Look, because they're human beings and we need content. Uh, so right. sorry. The band we're talking about is uh it, it really here's the thing. I'm not really talking shit about Slayer the band. I think more of the negative comments are going to come from Carrie about how Carrie King kind of handled press like two or three weeks ago when he was asked about Slayer. But anyways, Slayer um, I don't even consider this. They're reuniting to play some shows. Okay, let's just start with that. They're reuniting. They did their final world tour for like two or three years. I saw them like two two times, I think. Maybe three. I think two times. I can't remember. Anyways, on that tour, it was amazing. Uh, I got a, That was my mosh retirement tour, Angel of Death. Last time I ever moshed for reals. Whole song. And then I was like, I'm too old, I'm out. So I stopped moshing. <laughs> so I, I went into I went into mosh retirement after Angel of Death at, at the final Slayer show. Uh, but uh, anyways, Slayer has announced that they're going to play a couple. And to all you young people out there listening, it's going to happen to you too, you sons of bitches. Yeah. And daughters of bitches. Yeah, thank you. Uh, <laughs> daughters. I want to let them know that their moms are bitches too. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I told you to stir the ship right, man. What are you doing? What are you oh, doing? Oh, man, I steered it right into hostile waters. <laughs> um, anyways, so their final show was five years ago. Now, keep in mind, there was a pandemic in between there. So I, I shave a couple of years off because nobody was active. Um, so let's just say Slayer hasn't toured or played shows in about three and a half years that were possible. They never went away then to me. <laughs> Technically, there was no real break. There was just words. Yeah, uh, yeah, three five years. Like, come on. There's really no. Yeah, you guys. You, know what I mean? you like, guys took a break, man. Yeah. So, um, but the the main thing that was so I think like annoying for people is Carrie King recently did interviews about his latest his latest project that's uh you know I'm very excited about and everything like that. But he uh he just kind of was asked questions about the Slayer reunion. He's like, it's not going to happen. <laughs> you know, like, this is two weeks ago, dude, right? Something like that. It's not going to happen. Dave Lombardo's dead to me. I haven't talked to Tom Mariah since 2019. No text, nothing. Like, just, just kind of like threw it out there like, hey, the, me and those guys were whatever. And then, boom, we're playing some shows together. So either it all came together without Kerry King's knowledge, which is impossible, <laughs> right? <laughs> or... After he talked shit, Tom Mariah called him up and said, "Hey man, you want to play some shows?" He's like, "Sure." <laughs> like, like you tell I me think, what I you think, think what... the the, the storyline is here for from okay. him to be like, "I haven't talked to this dude in forever," and then oh, we're not going to play Slayer shows. To... Let me just give let me just give the people a story, okay? Pete has a very emotional friend who flies off the handle uh, quite often, mm. and he says things that are out of that are uh, can get out of hand. Yeah. Okay, uh, he's very handsome. Um, some call him captain. Uh, some call him captain. Some call he's he earned the title of captain. He earned it from himself. Mm -hmm. And um, but uh, the thing is, always sometimes like when you're hurt, and maybe the lack of text messages hurt his feelings. Maybe the the lack of communication with Dave Lombardo pissed him off. You know what I mean? And it's like, uh, and then until you hash these things out and get it and get a proper understanding of what the other person is thinking. You know, then then, you know, there's there's maybe there's some some apologies that probably took place behind the scene. And this is Carrie King, too. It's like Carrie King is will 
there's there's people that I, I think that had the metal attitude like way more when they were younger and then they got older and they're like, oh, this shit's exhausting. Well, Kerry King is is that attitude. That is who we're all trying to be. The one guy who's going to say the shocking thing, the one guy that's going to, uh, um, you know, kind of be that personality. And, you know, and the thing is, this is metal. So it's like when you, when you, every, everything is, oh, they're dead to me. They're fuck them. You know what I mean? It's like, and then when, when men get together and hash it out, all of a sudden they start doing tours and making lots and lots of fucking money. <laughs> let me, let me tell you what I think the, uh, the storyline is here. And I'm making this up, so everybody that's wondering if this is there's any truth to this, I don't think so. And I just made my shit up too. No, I know everybody the, knows. The handsome friend. Yeah. <laughs> In essence, Brandon has gone off the handle and, and told me to go fuck myself many times. He'll never talk what? to me again. <laughs> And then, what? and then in two days, I text him, "Hey, buddy," and he's like, "Hey, where, what's up? We're good." <laughs> where did you? How? What? I wasn't talking about me. No, no, no. I was. No. I was talking about. I was talking about Landon Bond. La- Landon Bond. <laughs> so, yeah. This is this is what I think. I think the power of all the metal and hard rock media. I think we have power. Right, and we're a part. We're very little. We're just a little bit of a voice in uh, in this conglomerate of power, right? And as soon as Kerry King did those interviews and said, "Hey, Tom Mariah hasn't reached out to me," Tom Mariah was like, "Oh fuck, I haven't reached out to him." You know what, man? Yeah, he's like, "What the fuck?" He probably types up going, "What the fuck?" You know what? I haven't <laughs> talked to Kerry, but I've been talking to like Danny uh, Weimer over here about fucking uh, doing shows with Slayer. So maybe I should get Kerry involved. <laughs> so, so I think the media got him together to be like the virtually the next day. The stories. I think Tom's like, "Hey, Kerry, what's up, buddy? Check this out, man. I've got to deal yeah. with you." And Kerry's like, "Well, I just said some shit," and and Tom's like. Yeah, I didn't see it. Don't worry about that. Think about yeah, this. Tom like, <laughs> right? yeah, yeah. And Tom was like, oh, I'm sorry. I had a stack of money in front of the internet that day. You know what I mean? Like yeah. blocking my view from your shitty words. It's like, come on, dude. And so the compromise was Tom's like, listen, listen, Carrie, Carrie, listen. You said Dave Lombardo's dead to you, so fuck him. He's not in. We're just going with Bo Staff, and we're just going with Holt, and me and you, we're in. We're going to get the money because – it's not really going to make you look bad unless we bring Lombardo back because you said he's dead to you. Me, you just said I'm not dead to you. However, you haven't talked to you. So we can sell it. We're buddies. And let's get this done. Yeah. Let's get this paycheck. And then and then Kerry King really quickly was like, yeah, as long as Lombardo's not in because I said he's dead to me, we're good. And so within the power of the metal media, uh, the compromise of the no Lombardo, who I don't think would have done it anyway, personally, um, bam. And that was it. And then, and then, look. Um, the money. Uh, we're gonna have to say the money was most likely the biggest uh, factor. Without this is a speculation, but w- am I allowed to say the reason that they're reuniting so fast to do these shows is the money? No, Pete. They're reuniting because they love metal and the fans. Oh. How dare you insinuate that they are getting together for? millions of dollars <laughs> i apologize um <laughs> you're right the uh, slayer <laughs> I mean, toilet seats haven't been selling and so the only way to get them back to, <laughs> i don't know i don't know if they, yes slayer had of some of course some they're getting together yeah. for money and, and here's the thing because okay uh if this were another band that okay a, a band that started that's in their 20s, okay? Like, mm-hmm. how many bands out there 
right now in the metal world are making Slayer money in their 20s. They're not. You know what I mean? If they break up, if they break up, they're probably breaking up because they really don't like each other. But when there's millions of dollars involved, it's pretty easy to set aside your differences and be like, guys, let's just go up there and pretend like, you know, we inspire one another to be more metal and sell it that way. I mean, I'm sorry. It's like I'm not trying to, to erase the shine from certain things, but it's but when there's that much money involved, it's easy to set aside your difference. There is, and I, and I stand by this because, it, like you, you nailed it. There's there's a compromise to a point when the brand that needs to make a certain amount of money every year doesn't. There's a compromise to a point where you're like, I better squatch some differences and cash in on this because I got a legacy. And to get a legacy is hard to do, right? A legacy on this level. Think about the original Misfits when Danzig and Jerry Only got back together. Those guys were slagging each other. They were in courts all the time. For years. For years, right? And then there was a point where you're like, all right, all right, all right. And then obviously both in their right, they're like, you know what? We need to just figure this out because all the lawyer money we threw away, all this shit – Boom. So it was like, yeah, when the Misfits, original Misfits got back together, it was it for the fans? Yeah, no, I know. It was for the money. Uh, it my, was 100% yeah. for the money. Yeah. And it's like, and my thing is, I was thinking about it, when the original Misfits got to, got back together, it's like they made millions of dollars off the logo. But again, you know, I don't even think it was millions. They probably made hundreds of thousands off the logo. Danzig had a very successful uh, solo career. But at that but point. getting But getting them back together, though. After the after the lure of the misfits, you know, again, a lot of the people were misfits fans before. A lot of people that were born decades after the misfits broke up, they probably wanted to see the misfits. They wanted to see what the logo was all about. They wanted to see what the imagery was all about. They did it. They paid their money. The band got paid. And then they reunite for maybe three or four shows every single fucking year. And it's not like they need practice. It's the fucking Misfits songs, dude. They're like three chords. My point, though, yeah, and you're right. Uh, and Lombardo's in that band for a bit, doesn't know, so he's doing fine. Um, but my point is, is that, yeah, the money is going to be the overwhelming factor. And I think that that's, I don't know if that's the thing, because Slayer's not Motley Crue, right? Motley Crue... It doesn't give a shit about anything but the money. We, you know, their shows are bad. Yeah, Neil doesn't go for. It. I'm just saying that they're not. The integrity of Slayer is much, much higher uh, than Motley Crue. Yes. So, um, and I, I feel like, you know, legendary bands. I don't want to talk shit about Kiss, but same things. Like there, there's, there's just been, you know, yeah. years of whatever where you're like, all right, they'll do anything for the cash. So Slayer didn't really land into that category for a lot of us. I was one that totally bought into it. I, I mean, I've said it on this show how many times. Slayer's not getting back together, dude. Those dudes aren't doing it, right? And it's like, you were like, yeah, they will. <laughs> you know, so, yes, um, they will. Dude. Yeah, yeah, I do. I've learned. I've learned. I just feel like there's certain bands that are like, we're not lying to the fans. Well, and we're keeping you it, have to understand you know? something, though. This, but, but again, though, like Carrie King, as crazy as it sounds, him saying, you know, I hope Dave, Lomb- you know, Dave Lombardo's dead to me. That is his integrity. That is letting everybody know his honest to God truth. That I mean, it's like so. I'm not saying the band lacks integrity, but what I'm saying is, is I'm saying like, they lack I'm integrity sure, sure. when it comes to the. This is our final show or final tour. Well, I that, that, I think that's what yeah, I meant. Oh, I didn't mean. That I don't part, mean the oh, band in general. Yeah. No, I, I mean. But like when I look at when I look at them getting back together, though. You know, um, 
you know, like when you're saying like them them getting back together, I mean, it's I get it. It's a couple of songs, but mostly though they broke up, and I don't think Carrie King wanted to break up. I don't think I, I think that's why uh, there was probably some resentment there. You know, I mean, Tom Morea had the surgery, and look, man, I mean, it's like when you're fucking exhausted up there and you can't fucking do what you want to do, and you're constantly reminded that you're mortal when before you were fucking Slayer. You know, I mean, I'm sure that's got to work on the ego a little or, bit. Or you can look at it from the headliner standpoint of all the bands that are stepping down. Like, look, we've talked about this many times. Ozzy Osbourne, if he plays again, he might play one more show, right? He's going to be out of the picture. Judas Priest, they're releasing a new album. Super excited about it on March 8th. Um, and But how many more years does Judas Priest have? Iron Maiden's getting up there. The next generation of every festival headliner, Slayer would sneak into that spot for a decade, right? Yeah. Right. Big time money. Right. So it, it's it, to me, it's like it makes the most sense for them to be like, yeah, we'll just play shows every now and then because two or three shows a year like the Mis- the original Misfits is, is going to be like bank, bro. You know, for them. Um, so I guess if it's calculated that, hey, we did a final tour and now it's just select shows that they're doing, which I think is what is kind of. The way I'm seeing it, you know, for money. Right. There's going to be no new music. There'll be no more new music. Well, there's a new Carrie King record that is an extension of Carrie King? Yeah. But, I mean. So, it's like, but that's what I'm saying. So, it's like there will be no. (laughs) I mean, I guess. I see what you're saying. I mean, it doesn't, but it does. It's like, but again, though, this just proves my point. Carrie King never wanted to quit. And it's like, and because they had to break up probably for, for either health reasons of Tom Araya or just like, but there, there was some resentment there. Carrie King did not want to quit. And now that the, and now that they could get back together and Tom has a reason to text Carrie, he probably fucking felt that resentment. That's probably why the text messages didn't come. And, and honestly, I think the Pantera thing going so well, I, I think that maybe yes, on the sideline, yes, that was the thing was like, look, Pantera's yeah, you, you've got your you've got your kings of Metallica, right? But uh, as we mentioned, the ACDCs, the the uh, these uh, these bands, they don't have a lot of uh, a power to, to keep going, right? So your Metallicas are always going to be on top for at least a decade, I would think, uh, or longer. Man, they'd be in their seventies at that point. Yeah. So, anyways, my point is, you got the Metallicas, but right below that, dude, that's exactly you got Pantera, Slayer's going to be there. Um, and the up and coming bands that might get up there, you know, um, there's a couple, there's a couple for sure. But those guys are the festival like headliner headliners. Yes. Man. So I, I think that them coming back in the game. Knot. Yeah, you got you, you got know, the younger like, you got the younger yeah. system Slipknot. You're right, dude. Even Ghost is going to be up there. Event Sevenfold, yeah. but they're not the the Slayer that's what I mean Slayer no, is like the young fans are like awesome I'm gonna go see whoever Sleep Token whoever's super popular but like they're gonna go to see Slayer you see what I'm saying the, the legacy band right. is the is the top dog headliner there's something there so I think Slayer's gonna get back into that game so last last I guess conversate or last piece on this obviously and not and I'm uh, for the record I'm not mad at Slayer at all. That, at all that's for the doing question I, I i knew it i knew it from the jump i knew it from the jump and on top of that a lot of people that retire a lot of people that walk away they think that's what they fucking wanted and then they walk away and they're like i'm bored as shit i gotta do something and that's exactly what's going on i do think that we as a community reactionary it's going to be negative because 
Oh, you said it was the final show. It's going to be like the first reaction. Peter Cora, it's just like, out, just like the Pantera just stuff. Just like Kiss. Just like just oh, like whoever. Kiss. You're right. Kiss Motley Crue. they broke up, you know, yeah, they broke up and then they got back together. Oh, I'm going to sell out to put my plug. Yeah, but you know what? Maybe maybe they didn't. Uh, but those fans, they always maybe they missed that one show that they could have gone, I'm not going, well, fuck it. And then the next time they come through time, they're like, hey, you want to go see Slayer? You know what I mean? I did my boycott. I got it out of the way. Yes, but and I see your, I do see your point on that. But my, I guess what I was saying is that like the, the people react negatively quickly. It's just it's part of society, and you got to give them time to reflect because because of the low attention span. Like when the Pantera thing happened, it was like a barrage of negativity, and it's like. But if you step back and you kind of take it all in, you're like, eh, come on, calm down, it's okay. And now it's like I feel very very positive. There's still the the stalwarts that are like no, you know, which is fine, but it's still positive. And the right. crowds are showing up and and all those things. But same with this. I think that this week when that thing happened, really specifically because Kerry King's you know media before that, it just looked kind of tacky, right? So the rollout of Kerry King's new project, the new single, the uh, this is what I'm doing now. I'm not doing Slayer, and then two weeks later, Slayer is happening. My question was, do you think that the excitement for Kerry King's solo project is going to be affected knowing that Slayer is going to be playing again? It just depends on how much you love Kerry King, really. I mean, hmm. you know, I, I don't think, I don't think like if Tom Moran does his, his solo thing and then Kerry King does his solo thing, I, I, I whenever that happens, there's always going to be... Uh, uh, a percentage of people that are that just aren't going to buy into it. They're going to let their boycott be known. I support Slayer. I support these group of guys working together. You know, because the idea of a team is romanticized. You know, like the idea of the idea of, of that is just uh, you know it's it's you know they everybody wants to be the next Lennon and McCartney, and I don't want to see him split. You know, but this is this is a lot like that. You're gonna have your you're gonna have your people that make their little boycotts. But when Slayer gets back together, everybody's just going to go see Slayer. Would you rather see Carrie King, Carrie King's solo project, or would you rather see Slayer? Most people are going to go see Slayer. Yeah, and that, that's kind of how I saw it, too, is that like I, I did have this uh, sense of excitement for Carrie King's project, and I still do. But now, if Slayer is going to be active, you're right. Like, no, I don't think... It, it's not as exciting I, yeah, because you're like, if Slayer's coming through, man, I'd rather go see them because you know Carrie's going to play some of his original songs, but... There's no way he's not doing a big set of Slayer songs, right? So it'd be it'd still be a good night, but like the excitement of like, oh, right. dude, I'll wait till Slayer gets here. That's a reality. And, look, and if I'm and if I'm Carrie King, I play no Slayer songs. You know what I mean? And I try and build build my own thing that goes along with Slayer. Like, all right, I got my three dates with Slayer, but I'm gonna go ahead. But I want to tour on my own for five six months. I I can I can see someone doing that if the song doesn't like the, you heard the, you heard the song it sounds exactly like Slayer it makes I mean he said it's an extension of Slayer so for him not to play Slayer songs I think would be a little bit surprising it's like like you know when Damage Plan went out they played Pantera songs you know it's just it just makes the most sense to give the fans something like that I guess you know I don't does, I, I mean does, people I, just, I think I, people wouldn't show up as you much want to separate the you know brands, though. If you just want to separate the brands, that's what you got to do. I don't. Well, the brands were separated when Slayer wasn't active. Now they're active. Right. That's what I meant. That's my question. I think that the brand of Kerry King now takes a step back because no matter what, he could lead Slayer in his mind or write most of the songs and and, and do all the stuff he does, like the last few records and stuff. 
Um, but the bottom line is, is we as fans, our heart really plays with you know him and Tom on that stage together, and obviously, right. You know Gary Holt now, look, and Paul Tom, is if, is cool, but like it's not it's not. The, if he you could know. get Tom back into the uh, if he could get Tom and Paul back into the studio to record some albums, I'm sure he'd be happy. If he, especially if he's going to be writing all the songs and stuff. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, it's it's going to be an interesting uh, time, but you know, for us as metal people, we just got to be like, cool. We got a headliner. It just sounds like Kerry King still wants to create. It yeah. sounds like Kerry King still wants to create. And if the if the if the rest of the band is not going to partake in that, he's got to do his own thing. As he's got to do his own thing on the side. He's got it. He's got to get it out. I agree. I agree. And I do think that um, he's going to keep going. I think the Kerry King project is going to be his project when it comes to creation. And I think fans are obviously going to be happy to see them. But with with the knowledge that Slayer can be out there, and I do feel like they're just going to do festivals. I don't think there's going to be a Slayer tour. I, this is my guess. Um, because if Kerry King's doing tours, I don't think he's going to do Slayer tours. But you know what? Um, we'll see, because if the money's on the table, it's on the table. No, if they do tours, the money's not going to be the same for festivals. It's just not. You know, It's got to be like, like, like the Misfits. If the original Misfits just start doing tours everywhere, every two or three years when they come out and do a, a festival, like they're, they're a big headliner. They're getting paid for that festival. They're getting paid really well to headline a festival. But yeah. If they're doing tours... And they're catching all the people in that, like, just say West Coast region or European region. They're not going to get the same paycheck for that one no. invite. So Slayer's going to probably ride it that way. That's the way I think it's going to go down. So it's just going to be well, select shows. Like this. Obviously, you're going to get more money annually if you go on a tour. But if you're Slayer, you already got money that's saved up in the bank. You're doing all right. Now, if you could just go ahead and play three, three four shows, maybe hit... Uh, you know, West Coast, Middle America, and then East Coast. You know, just make sure you get a couple of tours in, you know, maybe five, I would say five spots in all. To just get, like that, that's got a lot of, that's very easy for everybody to drive to. Dude, you're going to be, you'll, you'll clear a million easy. Yeah. So it's like, and then with Kerry King, it's like, you know what, then you can jump into the studio, you can get the ladies' tracks down, you can plan your very own tour, and then take a week or two to go do these festivals and then just be done with it i really wanted them to reunite this is my thought process is like you know the big four shows were awesome right and uh across they did like three or four i think they did new york right california and then obviously bulgaria but like i always thought like when metallica was like we're gonna do another big four show somewhere some i don't know let it be south america or someplace different that that would be the slayer like coming out or yeah let's do it you know but anyways um yeah, so I'm, it's, and that's it's, and that's a very real thing too. Doing that again, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do a fucking festival. It's just here's a four band tour. Get the fuck out of here. That's easy money, bro. Yeah, that would be that would be a uh, that would that's be fish in a barrel. <laughs> I'd go. <laughs> so, anyway, so look, we're over. We're over our. Uh, at least me and Brandon, we're over the Kerry King nonsense uh, of not uh, the media stuff that came out, and then. We're good. Slayer's back, dude. Slayer's back. Like, it's like, Carrie be it's yeah. Carrie being honest. It's Carrie being metal, bro. Being honest all the time is exhausting, dude. <laughs> you got to learn to lie. So you got to learn how to fucking. You got to learn to lie, dude. And this guy doesn't have that filter, bro. He's fucking in, oh in the God. moment, yeah. It's, it, it, dude, yes, you know dude. what? That's. I mean, it's a compliment in a way to be like you got to be honest. It because is. At the time yes. he said that he, Slayer wasn't coming back, Slayer probably wasn't coming back. But the the crazy thing is it changed in weeks. <laughs> so 
Exactly. Well, Tom was probably like, hey, bro, what the fuck? I didn't know you were into it, dude. Like, you know, like, mm. he got it done. He waited for the Kerry King song to come out and everything. Like, Tom didn't call him beforehand. He's just like, hey, roll it out, Kerry. Hey, and then now I'm going to be like, you know what? Hey, hey, hey let's look, do this, bro. <laughs> He's like, fucking hey, asshole. I don't want to deal with this shit. Yeah, I don't want to deal with this shit. Like, you know, here's the thing, dude. Kerry in the studio might be a fucking crazy lunatic animal. And it might be. It's probably. And again, people that tell you that are that honest sometimes can be pretty fucking tough to work with. You know what I mean? So it's like. You know, I'm sure, I'm sure when you, you, you know, there's just, there, there's certain people out there that you love to death, you love them so much, but you can only take them every now and then. And maybe I'm, maybe that's what, maybe that's what Tom and Gary's relationship was like. I'm going to go ahead and, and say, um, I, I don't know. I'm good. <laughs> yeah. That was just me. That was just me wildly speculating. I don't know I shit. Know. I just know. Let's... I just know that Kerry King is always amazing clickbait, and he's always going to tell. And he's always going to tell us uh, his side of the truth. And it's like, you know, and, and that's why we love him. And yeah. That's why he's. That's why he's more metal than anybody. And he's got a tattoo on his fucking head. So he's, you know. And, and truthfully, that's crushing it. If we're going to a festival and you've got amazing headliners and Slayer is one of them, dude. Yeah, it's it's what you I want to see. You win. It's exactly. What yeah. I mean. Hey, we're gonna see Pantera and Slayer. Oh, okay. It's a win. It's a win for all metal. All Everybody metal. wins. Yeah. There is nothing that isn't a win there. Um. So let's uh, let's let's let all all those words of truth from Kerry King two weeks ago that have changed. Let him out the window. Who cares? Just be excited that we're gonna see Tom and him and 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 Gary and. Paul back on the stage, dude, playing fucking songs. Uh, let's hope the set list is a little different, and they uh, they pull out some uh, old. No, nah, they're gonna play the hits. We're good. Anyway, play nothing but the A's. Bro. Yeah, yeah, come on. They got a lot of A's though. They got a lot of A's, so I'm, they I'm do. fine. They I know. do. I'm good with that. So uh, with that, I mean, it's the only story we got to talk about, man. That's it. I had a couple well, more queued up, but like our thirty minutes are uh, are right on the horizon I really think here. We, I really. Look, we just broke down the psyche of two guys we've never talked to and only read about. So, yep, yep, and uh, take, him away. take but it how you will. We've listened to their music so much that that right. energy uh, somehow, you know, makes me feel like my opinion matters. <laughs> right? So. Yes, exactly. Hey, look, we're the ones with the podcast. We pay for the recording equipment, so you listen to us. Uh, That's how we took. That's basically. Yeah, yeah, it's our, our opinions. No, anyways, I paid a hundred dollars for this microphone. The 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 main opinion that matters for everybody listening right now is that you guys put your ears on and pick up the latest from Borknogger, guys. Fall is out now. The record is awesome. I can't wait. We're gonna play two songs after my interview, and it's time right now. So make sure if you guys haven't, Fall from Borknogger is out right now. I need you guys to hear this record. It's excellent, dude. So here is my interview. Finally, I got to talk to him. Oyston from Borknogger. Everybody, what's going on? Petter, Metal Sucks Podcast. On the phone, I got Oystein from Borknagar, and we are here to celebrate the latest record, Fall. It's coming out February 23rd. Everybody, make sure you are pre-ordering it. Now, the the album um, has a real strong presence of a man's relationship with nature to me. Uh, tell us a little bit about this. 
You know, to me, it, it fundamentally, it's it's all about you know being being honest. Uh, I'm I'm a country boy. I've grown up in the countryside, countryside, and I still uh, live on the countryside. I've spent most of my time in you know a lot of time in nature. That's always been a very important thing for me. My father was a mountaineer. He was walking the mountains every second day and stuff. So it kind of this whole thing about you know being out in the free, out in the wilderness, is is such a crucial part of my life really uh, so so when, when when i'm turning this into a kind of a, the, the business and the music and all that stuff you know it's 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 about honesty you know this is the way i want to portray my thoughts my ideas my musicality and all that you know and and uh, and I, if i was a painter i'm pretty sure i would paint you know <laughs> trees and and mountains and that stuff rather than you know beaches and cars and stuff so so i guess it's it's fundamentally about you know it's 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 the surrounding of my life. Now, silence is something that's big to me that I tie into nature. Like there's a, a, a sound of uh, let it be wind or whatever small that goes in there that really brings peace to me. Um, yep. can, you, can you tell me about your relationship with silence and how it's tied into nature? Yeah, good question. And, and yeah, I mean... That is also one of my my huge experience being on the mountain. For example, I walked. I live close by one of the biggest mountains in in, in Bergen, the west coast of Norway, and and I've been climbing this or walking this mountain. It's not really a climb though. Some places maybe a little bit, but it is basically a hike, tough one though, uh, up to the mountain. It's the highest peak we have in this area, and. I walked that probably hundreds of times in my life with my father and and with my now with my son, but you know finding peace up there uh, when there's completely no wind, nothing. It's just you know nice weather and calm. I you know there is some the mountains have a sound to me. There is a silence, but there is also a I don't know vague. I don't know if if it's the, the you know mountains crackling a little bit or the, you know the the pressure of the mountain or something, but there is a kind of an distant sound in the mountain, a peaceful sound though, very kind of natural and 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 cool, and that is something that I find very very inspiring. Um, it's it's a silence basically, but it's still you get this notion of that this this mountain kind of lives in a way it doesn't i mean it's not not a biological thing though but but it, there is some life to a mountain if you get my point and that's something i find very very uh, inspiring actually when when uh, before we set out to mix this album i sent you know uh, jess bogren a couple of you know samples and ideas and stuff you know notes for him to you know to to navigate in in, in this 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 mix and i told him Yes, I want you know this sound of, of of the mountain of this this bouldering this 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 you know whatever it is you know this is a little bit undefined thing. Um, I love that it's silence, but it's still you know, it's not complete hundred percent silence you know. But but this this yeah, bouldering of the of the mountains that's something I've always found very inspiring. Yes, it's that vast silence is what I call it. It's like you know it's a very large. Uh, you're in a place where anything can happen, anything goes, but there's this silence, but it's just vast, like never, it's it's forever. It's almost like a sound that's impossible to mimic if you're uh, hiking. Um, and loneliness comes uh, with it as well, but a good loneliness, you know? Um, mm-hmm. 
Yeah, so that that's one thing about when we talk about another theme on the record, I think uh, lyrically it is it is, you know, growing up kind of where you did, like a person that grew up away from a lot of people um and having that um that area, that space. Um is it yep. is it strange or or is it foreign feeling when you are in a city and we all live on top of each other and do you miss that uh that vastness that you're used to? Yes, I do. I do. And and uh, to be quite honest about it, I, I get kind of, I don't know what if, if there was something wrong with me, but, but if I have to stay in, in, a, in a busy city for a long time, I kind of get a little bit depressed at, at some point. You know, I kind of, it's too much noise. It's too much of everything really sometimes for me. Maybe it's just my simple brain or, you know, my upbringing or whatever, but but I always seek back to, to the silence. And I think, as you said, loneliness. I mean, in this modern age, we all very often talk about, you know, loneliness, being your, by yourself and, you know, being astray or being on the outskirts of the world and stuff. That's kind of something that people fear and is something negativity about it. But in my life, in my world, you know, being alone sometimes and, and being astray and, you know, being away from everything, it's most certainly something very positive and energizing in a, in a sense, though. And, and and that is something, that kind of notion is something I want to, you know, somehow try to project in my music that, you know, uh, yeah, sure, I enjoy the safety and, 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 and all the things that happens in a civilization of, together with other people. And I'm a social being as well, of course, by all means. But I also enjoy to spend a lot of my time on on by myself alone in my studio doing whatever I do or walking the mountains, you know, to me, to me, that is a kind of an equal important, uh, what can I say, experience or quality of life, you know, to being, being with yourself in a sense, you know, with your own thoughts, doing soul, soul searching, whatever that is, just listening to music sometimes. And for the most part, I just never, you know, I try to just listen to the nature, to the birds and everything, and that is also something, you know, I want to bring into my music, that that feeling of being in a forest, walking a path or walking to the mountain or a, whatever it is, you know. But, I mean, the, the point is that, you know, uh, when you walk a route that you have walked many times before, it kind of changes for each and every time you walk there. You, you know this way, you have walked there before. But the next day you walk there, maybe it's darker outside, maybe it's a little bit rainy. You get a different experience each and every time you walk to the mountain. And that kind of imperfection and that kind of, I would say, perfect uh, human imperfection uh, or biological imperfection, that is something I also want to bring into my music. So when you when you listen to one of our songs... Well, the first time you get kind of an experience, you get, yeah, you have this and that. Oh, that was cool vocals. But maybe next time when you listen to the song the second time, maybe on headphones or, or in a different environment, maybe you get a little bit of different experience, you know. It's the same song, but still, you know, the, this different kind of experience. And and so it might sound cheesy sometimes, but I, I use very often when I try to explain my approach on music and, and all everything I do, basically, I kind of try to mirror, not necessarily my private life, but the life of I, I'm living in a kind of way. For, for me, life is a journey. You start at one point and you end up at some other point. And what's happening between, yeah, 
Who knows? But but the same thing with my music. I kind of see myself almost like a, a, a adventurer in music, if I can say so, rather than being an entertainer. And and whilst being this entertain no this 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 adventurer of music, I I certainly want you know to open a door to people to invite them to join this this musical journey that I try to you know uh, make happen though. Uh, again, it might, might sound a little bit cheesy, but you know that is kind of the, the the mindset, the mind frame I have on 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 this this whole music thing I'm doing. Yeah, no, I, I a couple thoughts just to to piggyback on what you're saying. I, I, a lesson that was very hard for me uh, growing up is that you can't love anybody else until you love yourself. And when you have, for me, the God of Cool kind of telling me how I have to be. I didn't connect, right? And I think a lot of younger people deal with that. And then being alone and giving yourself, you know, a hike, uh, a record to complete, completing things for yourself and no one else taught you to love yourself. You know, it's such an important part of, I think, a growth for most people out there. Um, and it, mm. and the genuine uh, feeling of loneliness capturing something positive, I think, is huge. Now, um, a lot of musicians I talk to, they say, hey, the record is kind of not ours anymore when they give it out to the world. Do you feel um, that the record does belong to the masses um, at any point in your career? Or do you always feel like, no, this is this is me bringing people along for my journey? Yeah, kind of. But, but you know, when I start out writing music for, uh, for, for a new album or, um, you know... What, Whatever when 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 I get going with stuff, it it's, it's, it starts out as a very intimate affair, so to speak. I mean, it's a very personal thing. I I sit there in my studio with my guitar, and nothing else bothers me. You know, I I'm in my bubble. I do my stuff, and and I kind of lose the grip of time and everything around me. And it gets very kind of emotional. It gets personal, and in a way, in many ways intimate in a, in a sense because it's it's so personal you know you pull out everything you have kind of because i always do that i always try to challenge myself and twist and tweak everything i've done before and maybe i can do it even better and i can you know push it even further and, and that kind of thing uh, so so that's a very personal personal thing for me um and i don't let anything bother me when I, i'm in that mode even such media know by now that don't bother Eston when he's writing because then he's you know he's, he's going grumpy on it and stuff um and of course you have this process of of birth in a sense you know you have to you know the promos you have to make the videos you have to do photo shoot you all this stuff kind of prepare you a little bit for what is coming and and um when it's released, yeah, it's a bit, it's a bit, you know, I have a, I have a daughter that uh, moved out uh, like one year ago. It feels a little bit like, like that, you know. Mm. At some point, your kids had to fly, you know. Yeah, they have to learn to fly. And, and I, you know, it's, it's a little bit, uh, what, of course, it's exciting, first and foremost, because it's cool to see, you know, the reaction from people, the reviews, doing all the interviews, talking with people, and, you know, a lot of things are happening when you're releasing an album, which is cool, which is a show, social cool thing, to, which happens. Uh, but, of course, it's a little bit, you know, also a little bit scary. What, you know, what's next and what's going to happen? Uh, is this bird actually going to fly or, or not, you know? Um, but there is also very kind of, uh, I don't know, a, a, a satisfying feeling to it also to finally get the album out there and share it with the world. Because it's it's um, you know the past ten years especially we have toured quite a lot in U.S., Europe, and festivals all around and stuff. And 
you know, the more I grow older and the more I mature, I kind of see the, what can I say, the power of music. Uh, it's it's so immense, you know. I didn't have exactly that approach back in the early days because I was more like, yeah, I was I was young and all that stuff. But nowadays, I kind of see this extremely unifying quality to music, this extremely kind of uplifting energy in music. You know, all these facets of life where music has an important role, at least in my life. And then being able to travel around, meeting all people, you know, and talk with them and look them in the eyes and get, you know, kind of feedback that, hey, this mean this music you have done means so much for me. You know, th- those moments are really golden to me, uh, at least now when I'm <laughs> older and probably more softer. But, you know, this this very basic, uh, what can I say, personal meeting between me as a musician, as a creator, and and the 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 receiver as the the listener the music fan or whatever you want to call it it's 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 really rewarding and it's really uh, yeah it it is some really strong emotions going on there uh, in 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 my head when when you know i i get to experience all those things and it's um it's an awesome thing and it's it's it still amazes me how powerful music really is you know i mean we it's it's if you think about it music is basically nothing i mean of course i have my guitar i have my student all that in order to make music but you know music comes from basically just my head my heart that's it you know so it's it's so kind of in my opinion such a ethereal way of of expressing yourself in in a sense um and and you know being able to do this and then meet people and get all the feedback and you know kind of get this feeling that that this this music you do actually have a positive impact on people around the world i mean what more can you ask for really 100% music is my i've said it on the show my best friend you know it's my therapist at times it's and it's it's with people out in the world. It's it's amazing, um, and uh, I do feel a lot more connected. And I and I've said this before after the pandemic because I took it for granted seeing live shows and bands mm-hmm. and all these things um, that I feel like I got a second chance at it. I don't know if you feel that way at, from your side as well that I got a second chance in something that really defined everything I did since I was a kid. You know, which is going to shows and and following bands and doing all that stuff. Um, so. Mm-hmm. It is it is ethereal, like you were saying, very much uh, for me. And uh, I couldn't explain it to anyone, but when someone understands it, it's almost like just an mm. immediate connection that you can't explain. Oh, you listen, you listen. Oh, we're good. <laughs> you, know, like, you know, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, but you know, yeah, exactly. And and you know, it's it's even though you don't talk the same language, maybe you have different backgrounds, different whatever, you know. You feel st- you still feel that if, if you know if I meet people that you know whatever, whether it's listening to the same song or somebody's listening to my song, but but there is there, there is a connection point in it that it's so, uh, yeah. In my opinion, though, it's so you know it's so powerful. It's it's so, such a powerful thing. Um, uh, I, I remember we played in in a couple of months ago in in Mexico a big festival there and a bunch of people, shitloads of people. I don't know how many, but many many thousand and it was raining and and you know it was like even even Norwegians like us was kind of freezing down there because the weather was crazy like raining and cold and and still you know we we entered the stage and just you know fa- you know seeing all these people standing there with raincoats and umbrellas and trying to you know cope with the whole situation 
but kind of just losing it when we start to play, you know, and you see the spark in their eyes and, you know, that everything just heat up and, you know, it's almost like the weather doesn't matter anymore in, in a way. It's, it's, you know, it's so powerful. And I remember standing on the stage playing there and I was like, damn, I, you know, I, I can never quit doing this. I have to do this forever, you know, because this is so, you know, it's so important for so many. And, you know, this, there is something going on here. There is, is uh, um, you know, money can't buy this in, in a sense, if you get my point. Oh, no. And, and, and uh, yeah. Now that connection is, uh, it's priceless. I think we as humans, we live for uh, connections, you know, um, and uh, the connection is priceless. I, I will be on my deathbed. I might forget, you know, the first bike I rode or a lot of things that are milestones, I guess, in, in a life, but I won't forget those concerts. I won't forget, you know, seeing Peter <clears throat> Steele live or, 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 you know, these certain bands. I'll never forget that until the end of time because the connection <clears throat> with me and whoever was in the room with me um, and that band is... Uh, yep. It's one of a kind, and you can't, you can't, those moments, they really live, you know, beyond those moments, mm. and that's what I find um, amazing about music. Like, you know, that moment 15 years ago, whoever it is, whatever band you saw, that moment lives forever in a memory, Yeah. right? And it's, yeah. it's, it's, that's such a great connection. Now, speaking of, I did want to talk about, I know um, we're talking about our love for music and uh, trust me, I'm, I'm a fanboy all day about how important it is for my life and everything like that. But uh, the uh, big thing about me is physical copies. And when I get a final and I see artwork, like your guys' artwork that I just saw, it stops me in my tracks. And obviously we talked a little bit about thematic elements with the new record. Uh, but tell me about the artwork and kind of the direction you gave uh, for that to uh, yeah. come to fruition, because it's fantastic. I agree. I agree. Um, you know, was so lucky that was able to work with Aloran Canto on on this one, and it was kind of by coincidence because we was having slightly different plans about the picture and and stuff like that, like more in the in the in the li line of, of of the previous album, True North. But, but but you know some some people on Central Media or label called me one day and hey we had a you know we had a music event going on in Berlin or something like that and they met, met up with Elron and he told them that yeah he was a fan of the band and stuff and really wanted to do something you know together with us at some point and they called me and maybe it's too late now because it was only a month till deadline or something like that but but you know we decided let's give it a try I'll, I'll call him and let's talk and see what we are able to do. And we had a good long talk, me and Elrond, a uh, really nice talk, really awesome guy to talk, just talk with and, you know, ponder, you know, around different things. Of course, we discussed music, but we also, you know, I think most of the time we talked about life in general, being fathers, he's a father, I'm a father. And those things, you know, uh, the approach to music and how we think about stuff and kind of almost like a philosophical level on it. The only thing I told him, I remember, um, was that, you know, I, I want this cover to show this untamed wild nature, you know, the brutality of it, the fierceness of it, you know, it should be, you know, kind of ethereal and wild and, you know, untamed in a sense, that kind of expression. The second thing I told him that I want some kind of, you know, notion that about humanity. I don't want a human body or a human being or a head or arm or anything like that, but I want something on the cover that kind of give you an association to human long gone presence, for example. And that was all basically. Of course, then I sent him the demos we had at the time and I sent him the lyrics and you had a couple of working titles as well on, on the album. And we didn't talk for a month. And, and then we 
I was excited, got the cover back, and I was literally blown away by it because he was able to, you know, capture, I mean, the overall perspective, the the, the notion of the album, the, the direction of the album and all that stuff. But also he pinpointed so much great stuff and even even so personal stuff like like this waterfall thing it just just connected so well to me because when i was a little kid my father we have in a family a, a, a farm from the 15th century up in the mountains and when i was a kid my father was an architect so he was up there doing maintenance work and stuff like that and in the summers and keeping you know making sure the house was still standing and not leakage and stuff like that and then close by this farm, uh, there was a huge waterfall. And, you know, in the 80s, when I grew up, there was no kind of security, security rules or anything. So I was allowed to just walk down to this fall, even though it's really, really dangerous. Uh, if you walk one step too, too close, you are dead, basically. You kind of can taste the, the wild side of nature, in a sense, you know, the danger of nature. And, I, you know, that was a kind of a very kind of found personal experience from my childhood, very, you know, good memories in, in in many senses and has inspired me a lot you know when it comes to songwriting and lyrical writing and all that stuff so so that Aleron was abs- able to capture that not only the, the, the concept and the, the, the scenario with the waterfall but also the a- angle of the cover because that was basically what I saw you know standing there as a little kid watching this waterfall and encapsulating myself and this this enormous energy coming from from this huge waterfall that was that was you know was just absolutely you know uh, mind-blowing that he was able to pinpoint not only you know the the lyrical musical approach of the of the band but of the album but also the kind of more personal side of of things that was that was just amazing that's that's kind of a statement of a true artist i would say Oh, I agree with that artwork and and being able to capture something that can take you to a very specific memory, I think is exactly amazing. But I got to tell you, man, like uh, I think fans, if you haven't seen it, like this is something that is going to be amazing on vinyl. So make sure you guys are pre-ordering this. Uh, It's um, it's absolutely amazing. So one more time before I got one more question for you. Everybody do not do not sleep on this. Bork Nagar's latest record, Fall, is coming out February 23rd. You did bring up Jens Bogren uh, at the Fascination Street Studios, um, and he worked with you on this album. And has worked with you on, in the past. Uh, tell me how his role was different uh, for this record, uh, opposed to something like True North. We pretty much, when it comes to when it comes to Fall, we pretty much um, we we follow the same kind of routine as we did with True North. I mean, in in the sense that we recorded drums in a, in a Oslo in studio, and then we pretty much did everything else of recordings ourselves. A lot of the recordings were, was done here in my studio, and you know that is a part of my bigger uh, quest of of. You no, know, I've always tried to you know somehow marry. I I I don't just want to be you know the, uh, the guitarist and the lyricist of the band. I also want to have you know marry this producer's perspective a little bit more into my music in a sense. I want to, you know, I, I always wanted to have a much firmer grip on, on producing the albums myself because I remember back in the days that was something that 
was a bit frustrating to be quite honest because when, when we you know doing the first albums we had kind of certain ideas and visions about the album but we was so much depending on you know the circumstances the studio the engineer in the studio what kind of amps they had in the studio what kind of drums they had you know uh, if you're a painter, you basically do your painting and then put it on a wall and f- people can see it, you know, they can touch it. But I felt this kind of, in the early days, this distance to the fans. I, You know, I didn't really fulfill my my musical goal or commitment in a sense. So I have spent like the, the last 10, 15 years to increasingly try to also not just write music and, and write lyrics, but also try to, you know, get into this person producer perspective a little bit more you know to 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 weld the music as a whole um much more uh within the band uh in a sense in order to actually get closer to the fans that has been a very important uh, quest for me in all this i would say awesome so everybody i gotta tell you the record is fantastic everybody if you haven't heard the songs or seen the videos make sure you're doing that but pre-order Bork Nagar's latest record, Fall. It is coming out February 23rd. With that, Oystein, I want to thank you so much, my friend, for calling in here to the Metal Sucks podcast. Thank you for having me. And uh, yeah, check out the new album. Hope you guys like it.
the Metal Sucks Podcast.
Metal Sucks Podcast.
All right, guys, and we are back. I told you, man, that fucking songs are great, dude. What a fantastic record, guys. Fall, Borknoggers Laters is out right now. Make sure you guys are picking it up. First song you heard is The Wild Lingers. Second song, Moon, both off the fall. The latest from Borknogger, guys. And like a, if you haven't heard it, you, I just love the journey that they've taken, but I'm just really, 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 really want you guys to hear this thing in its entirety. Third song you heard is from a band called Illumishade. Their record, Another Side of You, is out right now. It just came out this past February. The track I played is called Riptide. Been listening to that record and that song since it came out, man, and, and I dig it, so I hope you guys do. If you haven't, check out Illumishade. Uh, their new album, Another Side of You, is out right now. With that, I want to thank all you crazy kids out there. Uh, sons of bitches and daughters of bitches, right, Captain? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, <laughs> For the five-star reviews on the good old Apple iTunes. If you guys got a chance, go over to Apple iTunes, click five stars, and move on. That's all that matters. That's that's awesome. It'd be cool to check it out. We like to see that number grow. And, of course, if you guys support our other podcast, the Archive Podcast, Rise to Offend, uh, is the name of it. It's everywhere. It's a documentary discussion podcast. We've never done Slayer, man. That was one of the topics people wrote us about all the time to do a podcast on Slayer. But there was all these great books, man, that I read, and I'm like, eh, I don't want to just steal someone's book and just fucking regurgitate it as much. Right. So, but anyways, yeah, Slayer would have been a great topic. We didn't do Slayer. We did Phil Anselmo. We did Peter Steele. We did, uh, you know, um, G.J. Allen, Wendy o. Williams, a lot of a lot of artists that you guys might dig. So uh, if you guys are interested, go check out that podcast. I recently listened to the Amazing Randy episode. It popped up. and uh, Ah, I love that one. I got to tell you, man, that one turned out well. Amazing Randy was a great topic. So if you guys don't know who the Amazing Randy is, go listen to two hours of the documentary discussion podcast uh, me, Brandon, and Jocelyn did on that one years ago. He's a great character, a fantastic uh, uh, offensive figure that did a lot of good stuff, but I don't think a lot of people know who he is. Um, but with that, You guys are the best. We'll talk to you guys next week. The Metal Sucks Podcast is signing off.